Welcome to HipCast, the podcast here to improve hip fracture care. The Australian and New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the land we live and work on, and pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Today we have our follow-up HipFest podcast titled Your Questions Answered, Ethics, Governance and Functionality. Hi, and welcome to Your Questions Answered, Ethics, Governance and Functionality. This is uh, an extension from the HipFest that was held uh, early in 2021. And we got a bunch of questions and we're going to run through a couple of those questions and answer them now. I'm Stuart Fleming. I'm uh, in charge of the, the technical aspects of the website uh, and the registry. And I'm joined by Elizabeth Armstrong. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Stuart. It's good to be here today. Excellent. So let's just jump straight in. Who is the best person to contact for questions regarding functionality, uh, ethics, governance, all that sort of stuff, and in the registry itself? So for all of those things, we've got a generic email address that if you've got a general question about anything to do with the Australian or New Zealand registry, then you would email clinical at anzhfr.org. If you think it's specifically technical in nature, so relates to the database, then you can email technical at anzhfr.org and that'll get straight through to Stuart. Excellent, straight to me. I also answer to admin at hipfracture.com.au um, and, and in terms of contacts uh, in New Zealand, the national coordinator is Nicola Ward. Uh, and for the Australian sites, uh, the Australian registry manager is Jamie Helen. So how many sites across Australia and New Zealand are eligible to participate in the ANZHFR? So any hospital that provides definitive management to older people admitted with a hip fracture are able to participate in the registry. So they can be public or private hospitals, but as long as they try provide that definitive management for people age 50 and over, then they are eligible to participate. At the moment, across both countries, there's 100 hospitals with approval. 22 of those are in New Zealand and the rest are here in Australia. Excellent. So every one of those hospitals has had to go through some processes. What's required for approval to participate? So in both countries, we use a research governance framework and this is a two-step process. So addition of the site under the research ethics review and then a governance review by the research office that's responsible for the site. The ethics review makes sure that the registry conforms with ethical standards and the governance review considers compliance with relevant legislation, regulations, finances, risk management and other policies specific to the site. So the governance review or site-specific assessment is separate to the ethics review, but both levels of approval are required before the registry can commence at a site. Across Australia and New Zealand, there are very few differences in the process, although in Queensland there is an additional level of approval required. And both Nicola in New Zealand and Jamie here in Australia will look after that administrative process for sites wanting to join. Now, I know this is going to be a question that hasn't been asked, but I'm going to pose it to you anyway because you're the master of all of this. On average, how long does the process take? And I'm, I know there are outliers, right? Uh, Stuart, the, that's, 
the equivalent question as to how long is a piece of string? Um, anywhere. Right. So the question is, who's done it the fastest and what's yeah. been the longest? So the, the fastest was early on and that was around um, 8 to 12 weeks. And and I'm not going to talk about the longest because there's some, <laughs> some really good outliers. But but in, in general terms, sites would be up and running in about six months. And I know that sounds a long time, but um, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time for sites to identify their local processes around who's going to do the data collection and who's going to be involved. And then there's a little bit of backwards and forwards with additional information sometimes required at both of those review levels. So it's not it's not time that can be wasted, though, because each of the sites, once they've made the decision to participate, they can start to test the process of identifying eligible patients and the way in which they're going to collect the registry data set and they can iron out a lot of those um, difficulties and challenges around the data collection and submission to the registry whilst they're waiting for the approval process so that when that second approval comes in they're ready to hit the ground and, and start collecting the data. So very first at day one how does a hospital wanting to participate actually start this process? So in the first instance, when they've decided they want to join the registry, they will contact Jamie or Nicola, um, and hopefully by the time they've done that, they've identified a local team. The site lead at each hospital is who we call the principal investigator, and they're the person that's ultimately responsible for the hip fracture registry at their site. There might be others involved and we'll call those people associate investigators or site coordinators. And often we have a lot of contact with those people more so than the PI. But again, that's a site dependent thing. Yeah. And participation is very much a team effort. Setting up a local steering group is a key factor for success because it means that the data collection can be shared it ensures the burden doesn't fall to only one person so that collection continues when they're away, but it also sets up a mechanism for regularly reviewing the data to identify areas that can be improved. I don't know that's an area that we're working on in terms of uh, faster reporting at the moment. So in each hospital, I know, again, this is sort of a very generic question, but who do you find normally inputs data uh, into the registry for each site? So that's a site decision and depends on the local teams, the processes that they have and the available resources. And across all sites, there's different models. Some sites are led by anaesthetists, some by nurses, and, of course, some by geriatricians or orthopaedic surgeons. And this local leadership will generally determine who collects and inputs the data. Some sites upload to the registry from a local file and we'd like to see these sites do this on a regular basis, such as a monthly schedule to get that data into the registry. And the reason being is that it allows the sites to use the registry's inbuilt reporting mechanisms, which shows them their performance against state and national averages, which with the data collection sitting locally, they don't have the benefit of that comparison. And this allows the regular review against the standard and therefore, again, identification of areas for improvement. Yeah, so if they only upload once or twice a year, the problem is that you actually don't get any of those quality improvement features. 
Um, and that one, you know, the whole point of the registry was to try and help quality. Um, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Look, for those who are struggling with uh, resourcing and data collection, this is a common problem. What's the approach? What's the, the next step? A coordinated approach across Australia is probably unlikely in the short term. Right, okay. Because Australia is um, federated states, there's differences state by state that influence those initiatives, such as legislation. And at the the moment, the best thing that we can work towards is a consistent approach at a state level, but probably not so much across all of those states in Australia. The registry certainly looks for opportunities to work with sites to streamline the data collection process, and some sites have implemented local implement local EMR initiatives, um, but these at the moment need to be local approaches because even within the same state there can be differences in the electronic medical record bills. Yeah, there's, there, there really has been uh, across different states different ways of trying to get data out of EMRs and, and put them uh, into a, a way that we can get them through the registry. Uh, we do have a process that we are looking at at the moment uh, for uh, WA. Uh, and what the, the process they're using, but uh, it's slow going with this stuff. So if you can enter directly into the registry, that's always going to be your best bet. Um, all right, for uh, for sites already participating uh, in the registry, how did they go about suggesting changes for data variables um, and what's the process for reviewing these? So the Australian New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry has a steering group that oversees the activities of the registry, and they review the data dictionary on an annual basis. And any recommendations for changes to the data set are agreed by the steering group. There's a general rule that for a variable to be added, a variable must be removed. So a very good case has to be made for adding and removing any of the variables that currently are collected. If users out there in the system have any suggestions, then they can send them to Nicola in New Zealand or Jamie here in Australia. And if there's enough people providing feedback about a specific variable, then that would trigger that conversation at the steering group meeting where the data dictionary is discussed. Yeah. And we also have the ability for custom fields now. So if there's something very specific you want to record that you that we don't include, that you can do that. Uh, and we'll also review that at that data committee uh, level to see what's being collected across uh, both Australia and New Zealand uh, that we haven't included to see if there's, a, if there's enough usage for that. So what are the processes in place for those wishing to conduct research uh, on this all of this data that's collected in the ANZ HFR? So sites may use their own data, certainly for quality improvement, and that's the purpose of the registry, to provide a tool or mechanism for individual sites to review that the, the care that they give to the patients that are admitted to their hospital. If they want to use their local data for research, then they would have to speak to the site principal investigator or the site lead and then use local processes around local ethics and governance for that use of the data. If users or researchers or sites want to access the broader registry data, then they need to submit a data access request 
to the relevant registry coordinator or manager with their research protocol and it gets reviewed by the data management committee, which is a subcommittee of the steering group. Requests will need their own ethics approval and it's best to discuss with the registry manager um, prior to submitting the request what the researcher is looking to do. There, um, have, sitting on that particular committee, I do know that there's actually quite a lot of uh, data requests that come through. Uh, some are approved and some are uh, knocked back or sent back for more questions. Um, but if you do have a particular uh, thing that you'd like to research, certainly um, have a chat to Jamie or Nicola and, and start the ball rolling because, you know, the, one of the things that we do want with the data is to, for it to be used. Speaking of collecting data, one of the questions that came up was, what is a sprint audit? What's a sprint audit, Elizabeth? Well, a sprint audit is a time-limited data collection used to obtain additional information on patient care. And it involves additional questions that are temporarily added to the routine data collection, sometimes for only a few weeks. It's really important for people to realise that participation is voluntary and capacity to participate in any sprint audit would be determined by an individual site. So it's not a mandatory additional data collection. It's a voluntary um, joining to collect a defined data set for a short period of time to give some extra information around specific areas of care that are poorly understood. So as an example, uh, I know one of the ones that's being considered at the moment is a malnutrition sprint audit. Uh, the idea would be that when you go into a, if you choose to participate, uh, we, you would go into your patient record and you'd see those additional fields pop up. Um, they would be on a separate tab so that you know that's, the, that's what we're collecting. And that would only be for that particular period of time, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, maybe six six weeks. So that that is independent of each sprint audit. But just as an example of what that might look like, I thought that might be useful. Look, that's all the questions that we've had. Um, Elizabeth, did you have any other questions or things that you wanted to add? No, just a reminder that clinical at anzhfr.org is where you would send any questions or queries about using the registry or getting involved. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. I'm Stuart Fleming. I'm the webmaster and the guy in fixing up all your usernames and resets. Um, we'll, uh, if you've got any more questions, please send them through to that email address. Thanks, Stuart.